Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Open with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are not of the world, therefore they speak as of the, or excuse me, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John has been dealing with conflicts between two different spiritual worlds. In in 1 John 2, 18 to 28, he talked about a conflict between truth and falsehood. And then in John 2, 29 to John 3, 12, he talked about a conflict between the children of God and the children of Satan. And we talked about how to know whether you were a child of God or a child of Satan. And then in chapter 3, verses 13 to 24, he talked about a conflict between love and hatred. And today, in 1 John 4, 1 through 6, we're going to look at the conflict between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John urges his readers to test the spirits to determine if they are truly of God or not. What is the identity of the person or the spirit behind the person you are listening to? And then he gives them criteria for testing the spirits, verses 2 and 3. And then we will look at the criteria to identify the, two, the true character of the speaker. So we're going to go through those slowly, verse by verse. 1 John 4.1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Just because someone has a website, a podcast, they're on TV, they're on the radio, they have a ministry, 
you don't have to believe everything you hear. But test it. Test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John says that we as believers must be discerning the spirit that we are listening to. Because he said every prophet is not a true prophet because he says many false prophets have gone out. So we need to test what by the word. That word test means to prove or examine. I only see, I was going to ask how many teachers we have in here, but they're almost all gone. We still have a few teachers, right? If you're a teacher, raise your hand, professor, whatever. Okay. When you give a test to your students, what is the purpose of the test? Is it try to make them fail? No, to see how much they've learned. Or to see how much we taught depending on how you look at it. So to test means to prove or to examine. Like when you buy gold, you want to test, have it tested to make sure that it is what the stamp says it is. Is it 18 or 24? Or is it something that's just covered with something that looks like gold? And you're not sure. So we test it. We prove it. We examine it to make sure that it is genuine. So the concept of testing the spirits probably came from Old Testament Scripture. Because in the Old Testament, they were told how to judge whether a prophet was a prophet from God or not. One of the things was their prophecies came true. But not always in their lifetime. You know, so we, you know, we have to be careful when we're judging some of these things. That, For example, prophecy about Jesus coming 400 years before he was born. That prophecy didn't come true in the time of the prophet but it did come true. Prophets were, taste, were tested whether their predictions came true and whether they stuck or to the word of God. Were they professing idolatry? That was one of the things. If, they, if anybody today says that Jesus is not the Son of God we talked about earlier, they are a false prophet. A false teacher, okay? If they say it doesn't take the blood of Jesus for you to be saved, false teaching. Now, we can disagree on whether the preacher wears short sleeves or long sleeves. Whether the preacher wears a tie or doesn't wear a tie. Whether we sing out of hymn books or off of a TV screen. You know, when we first got saved, everything we sang off the wall because everything was projected onto the walls. Now we have technology, we can do it off the TV. Do we sing only hymns or do we sing choruses or do we sing a mixture? 
Do we stand? Do we sit when we sing? All of those things, we can agree to disagree. But when it comes to the essentials, is this book the Word of God? Yes. No questions. Uh, okay, I need to ask. Is this book the Word of God? No questions. No questions. Okay. I, I was getting the, some looks there where I was. I just had to make sure that this book, it is the Word of God. Amen. Jesus is the only way to salvation. True? Agreed. No questions. Okay. Do we have to meet on Sunday only to be a real church? No. no. I mean, we can meet on Friday, right? Okay. <laughs> but do we have to worship Jesus when we meet as the church and exalt the Father? Amen. Okay. Have the Scripture. Do we need the scripture when we meet together as the church? Okay. The reason I'm asking is I have been in services where the newspaper was read and then the sermon was based on something in the newspaper and they never mentioned the scripture. If that ever happens, that's kind of a hint. Maybe it's not some place you want to go back to again. Okay, if the newspaper is the text for the sermon, just saying. Believers must carefully evaluate what they hear to make sure it corresponds with what the Bible teaches. Acts 17, 11, I've used this scripture a lot. These were more fair-minded <clears throat> than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scripture daily to find out whether these things were so. And I'm going to encourage you again. I know many of you do. Take notes during the message. So if something, you get a little, because eh, I'm human. Pastor Dale's human. We can make mistakes. I know you may not think so, but yes, we can, okay? Just like last week, I made a passing comment about the unpardonable sin, so I got a couple of emails, hey, can you explain it? But you need to make sure that what you hear is the Word of God. I'm responsible before God to make sure that I prepare, I study, I pray, I get together a message that I feel like God wants me to share with you, but you're responsible on what you receive. I will be held accountable for preaching the truth. You will be held accountable for receiving the truth. So you have to be careful what you listen to and what you read. I just got a paper from a student 
um, in the Bible school that I do some online grading for. And the paper was really good. And then I started looking at the footnotes. And then I went back and reread the paper. And there were some things, it was truth, but some of it was skewed. Because some of the things that they quoted from was the watchtower, Jehovah's Witnesses. They quoted from Ellen G. White. Um, yeah. So some of these people that if you know church history, they started off good and then they took a major detour into cults. What you need to pray and ask God is by the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you to develop discernment for when you read something. If it's not exactly right, something inside goes off. So that you can know whether that spirit is of God or not. So why do we need to test the spirits? Because he says many false prophets have already gone out into the world. Verse 2. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. In one of the commentaries, Dr. Hebert said this, John here shows the importance of the proclamation of sound Christology. Because sound Christology brings confidence and victory to the Christian community. We have to have a proper Christology. What is that? That is the doctrine or the study of Christ. Jesus Christ was fully God fully man, he was God, manifest in the body, and if we believe that he came in the flesh, then we are of God. And believers are to test the Spirit on the basis of what they believe about Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. I've preached in all kinds of churches. I preached in a, one day in the States, I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I preached Sunday morning in the Apostolic Jesus Name Only Church. They gave me an invitation, I went. I preached that night in the same city about two blocks away in the Calvary Trinitarian Chapel. And I preached the exact same message in both of them about Jesus. And all this other stuff didn't matter. Because we could all agree on Jesus. And what was interesting was after the service, both pastors asked me a question. How were you baptized? Because they wanted to know, did I have the right formula? 
were the right, right words said over me when I was baptized. And I had no clue how to answer them. And, I, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, cause all kinds of confusion. So I just said, well, you know, I really don't know. I was underwater and I didn't hear what was said. <laughs> so, if you want to know, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the sweet name of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And that's kind of the formula they used. It, that covers all the bases. But it doesn't matter what the formula is. It's all about the heart, okay? So we, we need to just make sure that we know the Christology. The person motivated by the spirit of deceit will not confess that Jesus is the Christ. And you do realize that Christ is not Jesus' last name. He wasn't born to Joseph and Mary Christ. Okay? Christ is who He is. He is the anointed Savior of mankind. He is the Christ. Amen? The verb confesses here indicates an unwavering assurance and acceptance that what you say is true. It is a forthright declaration of the message as it is my position. So I can confess to you today, unwavering, believe it, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet with my whole heart that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? And I hope you can do that. If you talk to someone that can't, be weary of them because it says that if they cannot confess that Jesus came in the flesh and is the Christ, they are not of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. So we talked about this a few weeks ago. John is reminding them that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. There are many people that are talking against Christ. I mean, you don't have to go very far to hear that not everybody is, is, is in love with Jesus. True? And it's interesting that some of those that hate him the most use his name more than anybody else. Just I'll, That'll sink in in a minute. John reminds his readers this is something that they have already heard and it should not surprise them that there are false prophets and false teachers in their midst. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he reminds them what is the secret of their victory 
and their, their confidence. Who is the one that gives them the power, that gives them the victory to overcome these false teachers? And he says, it is the one who is in them. Jesus residing within us, the Holy Spirit within us. And see, that's why he's telling them to test the spirits. Because they were saying that what he did, by the power of the Spirit of God, he did under the power of Satan. And they were attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Who is your advocate? To God. Who comes alongside of us? Who is that paracletus? The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He comes alongside of us. He pleads our case before God. And here these men were saying, the one that has been sent by God to plead their case, to intercede for them, to be their advocate with the Father... They are rejecting him and saying he is Satan. These false teachers that don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. And that's why we were talking about earlier in Mark about the unpardonable sin. That's what it was. They were saying that Jesus wasn't who he said he was and all of these things he did, he didn't do. By God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to worry about the enemy. If you are serving Jesus, he has been put down. I want all of you to stand up for a minute. When we were in Bible school, Kath and I did some um, summer work at a girls' camp in Louisiana, and they had these great big cockroaches. And some of these little girls were afraid of bugs. So the very first day, we did a demonstration for them. What do you do with a cockroach? You... Okay? That's what you do with the bugs you don't like. Now, Scripture says that Satan is under the feet of Jesus. Okay? So every time he comes against you... Now, this is my illustration. I can't give you chapter and verse, okay? This is Pat. So don't go say this is a new doctrine of CIC. Just imagine Satan's coming against you. So what do you do with a cockroach? Okay, Satan is under the feet of Jesus. Okay, you can be seated. We are part of the body of Christ. What's the lowest part of your body? Your foot. So if you are a foot, or you are the soul of the foot in the body of Christ, where is Satan? Under you. Okay, so you do not have to be afraid of him. You do not have to be intimidated by him because greater is the one in you than the one in the world. Verse 5, they are of the world, therefore they speak as the world 
and the world hears them. So John is basically saying here the difference between false teachers and true teachers is their origin. The false teachers are of the world. The true teachers are of God. And he said because these false teachers are of the world, they speak like the world. And the world understands them. I'm from the deep south in the United States. If you're American, you know what I'm talking about. You can probably hear it in my accent some. I'm from south Louisiana, way south. We say y'all. And my wife is from northern Wisconsin, just upriver about 1,500 miles. But we have totally different way of talking. And when she came down to South Louisiana to meet my family, I had to interpret for her. (laughs) I remember when she met my dad. My dad would say something and she'd look at him and go, "Mm mm-hmm. And she'd say something to him and he'd go, "Mm mm-hmm. And I knew they didn't have a clue what either one of them was saying. Why? Because they were talking from two different cultures. You know, praise God, I had been out of that long enough that my ear had attuned to the way real people talked. (laughs) And that's what John is saying here. The world listens to these false prophets. Why? Because they speak the same language. They're of the same culture. They speak what they want to hear. So we need to be careful that God gives us a discerning ear that we don't heap to ourselves teachers that will tickle our itching ears of some new thing. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 through 5 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, Endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill the ministry. So Paul is telling his son in the faith, Timothy, there will come a time when people won't want to hear the truth. And they will go around looking and finding people that tell them what they want to hear. In today's modern technology age, You can believe anything you want to believe and you can go on the internet and find a whole bunch of other people that believe that exact same thing. And as I was studying this, I said, I just want to try it. So I did a Google search on 
I have aliens in my neighborhood. Have you ever seen one? Try it sometime. You would be surprised at how many people have aliens living in their neighborhoods and they've seen them. So if I wanted to go by that, I could just say, hey, there's aliens all over. I mean, I probably have a neighbor that's an alien. I don't know. But does that make it true just because a bunch of people believe it? No. Okay, it has to line up with the Word of God. And that brings us to verse 6. We are of God, and he who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John is coming back to his apostolic authority or his apostolic calling as one of the apostles, the disciples of Jesus. And he says, the person who knows God hears our word. If you know God, you will listen to the word of God, the words of the apostles, the Bible. Jesus' own words in John 10, 27 says, My sheep know my voice, and they listen to me. When people confess that Jesus came in the flesh, when they hear God speak to them in the gospel of Jesus, and they are obedient, then the spirit of truth is dwelling within them. This is the way we know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Many people say they know God or they are of God, but only those who hold a correct view of Jesus came in the flesh is the only way of salvation can be of God. Let me just give you a few groups who say they are the way but don't walk in the truth. Mentioned a few already, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, and there's a whole group of others that believe they are the way, but they deny that Jesus came in the flesh and that he is the Son of God. Some people even believe in Jesus, but not that he is the Son of God. We live in a nation where a lot of people believe in Jesus and honor Jesus, but they do not believe he came in the flesh. We can't look in people's hearts, as I've said before, but we can determine who is genuine by their profession of Jesus Christ as the Savior. So, in closing, Christians, don't be gullible and don't believe every self-proclaimed prophet, teacher. When I get you would be surprised at how many emails I get of people around the world that have 
seen CIC's website and want to hook up with our ministry because God told them we were going to bless them and work with them. And most of them come from several names before their name, like apostle this or evangelist that or prophet something or other. And I go back to the old kind of joke I heard about the man that thought he was everything to the body of Christ and he felt like he was called to be an apostle, a prophet, and an evangelist. But he couldn't fit all that on his business card. So he just abbreviated APE. <laughs> well, whatever. That's why the very first statement I made to this church when I accepted to be your senior pastor is please understand my first name is not pastor. My first name is Steve. And you can call me Steve or Brother Steve or whatever. If, you know, I know some of your cultures, you really have trouble not using the title pastor. But pastor is not a title biblically. It is a function of the elders in the body of Christ, one of the functions, okay? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those are not titles. Those are functions to equip the body of Christ for ministry. So make sure that just because somebody comes in with these big titles that it doesn't impress you. What impresses you is do they preach the truth from the Word of God? And is their lifestyle lining up with the Word of God? You must ask, what are they saying about Jesus Christ? John reassured his readers that true believers retain their commitment to biblical teaching overcoming the world. False teachers, on the other hand, are anti-Christ driven by the spirit of error. They're against Christ. So would you just bow your heads for a moment? I want to ask you a couple of questions and if the worship team would come up. And just for a, a quiet time, a moment between you and God, I just want you to ask yourself, are you a gullible believer that just picks up any book or listens to any tape or any podcast and you believe what you hear? Or are you a discerning believer asking the Holy Spirit to help you discern truth from error? Do you test and examine the teachings that you hear by the standards of the Bible? Not by the standards of your denominational doctrine that you were taught. Not by the standards of your culture. But do you test what you hear by the standards of the Word of God? Can you discern the spirit of truth 
from the spirit of error. And then do you maintain a correct Christology and understanding of who Jesus is? And then lastly, do you have confidence and assurance that you are truly, truly saved? So I just want you to meditate on those questions for just a moment and just spend some time searching your heart. This is between you and God to know whether you have listened to anything that wasn't truly of God. And do you just accept what is said from the pulpit or do you study the scripture on your own to make sure that what you are receiving is the truth because every one of us as humans have the capacity to make a mistake and that's why we need each other to help us stay in the truth and to stay, to stay true to scripture believing that Jesus is the Christ the son of God who came in the flesh to pay the redemption price Father I lift your people up today and Father I thank you for this congregation I thank you for Crossroad International Church that your people are both Bible-believing sons and daughters walking in the spirit of truth. And Father, I ask that you would help guard our hearts and guard our minds from any deception that the enemy would try to bring in. Father, help us by your Holy Spirit to discern everything that we hear, everything we see, and everything that we read by your word to make sure that it is true. And Father, we thank you today for being with each one of us. Holy Spirit, prick our hearts and prick our minds when something comes through our ear gate or through our eye gate that isn't in line with your word. Speak to us by that still, small voice. This way, that way. As Holy Spirit, we are committed to the word. Father God, we are committed to serve you and you only. Lord Jesus, we confess today openly, honestly, and with everything within us that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we thank you for your shed blood as we partook of communion earlier. And we thank you of your broken body, of the sacrifice that you paid for us to be here today in your presence. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.